welcome back to A Life of KG. Today I get to interview Samantha, who is the president of the Hair and Beauty Charity. I really want you to find out more about the charity, who they help, hear some stories and find out how you can get involved. So without further ado, here she is. Flirties, as a renowned beauty supplier and fully accredited training provider, can help you with all your professional products for lashes, brows, tanning, waxing and nails. Follow us on social media at Flirties HQ or visit our website www.flirties.co.uk for news, updates and offers and you can use the code KGPRO to get 10% discount off your next order with us. Samantha, thank you for coming on the Life of KG. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good. So normal KG style, we're going to start off with some quick fire questions for you. Okay. So, coffee or tea? Neither. Coffee or, okay then, so juice or wine? (laughs) Oh, wine, obviously. (laughs) Beach or pool? Oh, pool. Definitely. Summer or winter? Summer. Lashes or nails? Oh, good one. Nails. Oh, facial or massage? Massage every time. Really? Yeah. I just, you know, I don't, I don't have, you know, I've worked in the industry a long time. I just don't have the patience for facial. I want, I need something to happen there and then. Yeah. Figure you out. <laughs> working from home or working from an office? Office. Mm, a lot the people, people. Our industry is about the people. It's got to be about people. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And then Facebook or Instagram? Oh, well, um, for personal, neither. Um, for business, Instagram. Love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> so can you please introduce yourself and just tell us what you do, Samantha? Yeah, thank you. And love, thank you very much, Katie, for bringing me on to your podcast and to um, share what we do with all of your listeners. So my name's Sam Groker. I'm, um, I own an agency, PR agency called Essence PR, and I've been in the industry for oh 25 plus years or so um and I specialize in beauty um hair and beauty especially and I have also worked with quite a few professional beauty brands um but my other hash on which obviously we're going to be talking to you today is that I'm also the president of the hair and beauty charity so the hair and beauty charity is still quite weirdly a very um unknown charity in our industry even though we've been going since 1836 so it is one of the most oldest charities Um, or we were a benevolent we were actually called the hairdressers orphan fund when we first established Um, and basically we've had the same ethos all the way through which is to help fellow hair and beauty professionals to um, who've fallen on financial hard times so we literally are there as a lifeline to people to give them money so that they can you know live the life that they need to and so forth so it's quite a unique charity because with a lot of charities, you know, usually they focus on one area, whereas for us, it could be everything from domestic violence to homelessness to obviously COVID to illnesses, disability, um, you know, cancers and various things like that. So we cover a whole host of um, support mechanisms that we can do for people as long as they've been in our charity. So it's very much, you know, a charity for people in our industry. Um, and it's I just think it's it says a lot, I think, about us as an industry that we've had a charity going for almost over 170, 180 years. 
um, and was one of the first in the country to ever be established. So I think that says a lot. I think there's lots of um, you know, surveys out there about the sort of hair and beauty industry being the happiest. But I also think we're actually probably one of the most giving as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And I've been seeing, obviously, now the change of name as well, the hair and beauty charity. It's been popping up so much more since COVID, hasn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting one. I've, you know, I've been involved with the charity for probably about 12, 13 years or so. Um, Helen Ward um, actually introduced me to it many years ago. I was working with her and she said, come along to this meeting. Just, just one. You don't need to, you know, see how you feel. Obviously, 12, 13 years later still there so I we tend to um we meet once a month um during COVID actually we're meeting weekly because obviously the speed and the need for help really really increased um so as a committee there's usually around about 20 of us in the committee that we will meet monthly um we're now doing a mixture of in-face and also virtual so people because we have people from up and down the country helping it us and they are from sort of manufacturers through to hairdressers to beauticians um, you know, PRs, journalists and so forth, everybody within our industry is helping it. But I think what happened was, although we've been going, you know, a long time, we've had various name changes. Some listeners might recognise it as the Hair and Beauty Benevolent, which was HAB. That was another name we went by. And then we moved to the charity status. I think it's about 20, about 2017 or so, and then rebranded to the Hair and Beauty Charity in 2019. And it pretty much says what we are. You know, we're basically a charity for the hair and beauty industry. And I think we, we know they'll keep that. So we help anybody who's, you know, from nail techs to beauticians, to massage therapists, to hairdressers, barbers, as long as you've been in the industry um, and you're, I think it's three years that you need to be in the industry for. But during COVID, obviously things changed a little bit. And so we were, we had to relax some of those sort of um, rules that we sort of work towards um, because we, we're a small charity. So we don't have a huge pot of money, but we do have money that literally we're raising all through the year. That's through a mixture of manufacturers, you know, coming on board and sort of donating money and sponsoring us. Or we do fundraising activities and then actually people, the general people in our industry also raise money for us quite regularly. So we we have these sort of set um, areas that we people need to sort of basically if they go onto the website, which is the hairandbeautycharity.org, um, there's like a list of criteria of what, what you need to be able to um, you know, apply for charitable help. Um, and it's quite strange because you know we kind of think in our industry do we would people really need it would people you know because we you know we're all seen as quite affluent and sort of you know fun and easygoing but actually there's a huge amount of people who are living on the breadline in our industry and this was pre-covid as well so things like people aren't you know you're not you won't expect to you know find out that you're ill or you're not expecting to be you know your child has got a disability and you have to buy all this new equipment and things like that so it's all those little things that the unexpected and that's what this charity is for and during covid obviously that was a whole other a whole other conversation going on and as you can imagine i think we had something like 170 percent increase in requests for help in 2020 um, it no was pretty people. shocking actually yeah, no wonder you having weekly meetings. I <laughs> saw all of that. Yeah, we used to have we it literally um, we used to in sort of usual times prior to COVID, we'd probably be looking at around ten to twelve case studies a month. We were getting that a day. 
Wow. Yeah, in wow. the peak. Yeah. So as you can imagine, and also normally we'd meet monthly and we, we would then, you know, obviously it takes a little bit of time. But again, we realized people couldn't wait for have money. We had to literally sort the money. So literally, if we if we had the meeting on the Tuesday, the money was in their bank on the Friday. Wow, what an incredible thing to be able to do yeah. for people and actually for our industry to know that there is a charity there that is dedicated to them. Yeah, people, people, are, people are so, you know, I was at the um, British Hairdressing Awards on Monday night, Katie, and that's obviously like, you know, there's about 1400 people in that room, all from our sector, obviously more the hair side. But so many people still didn't know what we do. We were going around trying to get money off people. This is what we do. Um, and, you know, they were, they were having a fun environment. You know, drinks are flowing. It's a great time to come and ask money for some, you know, get people to give uh, donate money. They're, we were selling raffle tickets on the night. But everyone you speak to, when they heard about it, was like, this is such a wonderful, wonderful charity. Yeah, I'm very happy to support it. And I think, you know, doing talks like with you, Katie, and so that your listeners, if, you know, if everybody you know, can understand what we're doing and then tell one other person what we're doing, and it's not necessarily always about fundraising and giving us money, it's just letting people know we're there because somebody might need us and doesn't know that we're there for them. And the more people talk about us, the more people we can help and then the more money we can raise and the more money we can give away and everything like that. So it's a great, it's a great cycle. And you know, when you contacted me, I was like, yep. Yeah, I'll talk to you. Perfect. You know, another opportunity to reach a whole new round of people who probably don't know, even know that this charity exists, Katie. Yeah, exactly. So if you are listening and really feel that you need that help, then definitely, definitely reach out. But then also I work with so many salon owners and we're always doing fundraising and games in salon to raise money or bake caking or whatever that yeah. might be. Like, yeah. and we always go and but everyone always goes to support them big charities the known well the known well charities all of the time yeah if they knew that there was this and, and do you know what I you know I support you know I've got charities that are close to my heart you know obviously this is one of them but I've got other ones that are personal to me as well so I you know I like to sort of share my love and sort of donate every month and I have my direct debit set up which and I just think we're not we don't want to be greedy so if you know if you've got it like in quite often with salons and salon owners they've got a charity that's close to their heart so what we're saying what we sometimes say to them is like you know maybe you could donate 25 percent of those takings to your industry charity and 75 percent to the other charity you know on that side and then that way you know even just those little bits of money really help us and you'll see a big difference you know just like for example at christmas time um, you know, we give the children, we have around about 100 children that we support every month with fine, with money. We give them a, a £25 gift voucher. So some of these kids, that is their present this year. And, you know, last year was, you know, especially tough because, you know, people didn't have the money. We were, we were helping a huge amount of extra people on that side. And then this year, we're also donating, giving to the beneficiaries a £50 food voucher so that they can actually go and not worry about what they want to buy for Christmas dinner or, you know, if whatever festival it is that they celebrate. They've got some money. They know they've got that. And, you know, the, the charity contacted our beneficiaries last uh, about a week ago to let them know this was our new initiative for this year, that we will be giving them this extra donation of money. Mm. 
the replies back from the charity for Natalie and Sarah at the charity were like really, really heartbreaking. It was like, thank you so much. You don't understand what this is going to do. This just means it's just one less worry for us. Because although, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, the COVID side, we're back working and everything like that again, life isn't back to normal as we and, and i'm sure you and you, you know working with yourselves katie you're fully aware of this you know people are you know the businesses haven't returned to their pre-covid times yet you know whether that's the manufacturers whether that's the salons whether that's the freelancers so i think you know we've got to be quite respectful for people who are still struggling out there and as a charity we are still helping those people so we're still giving them money every single month so that they can you know, they don't have to go to the food banks, which is what they were doing. They were going to the food banks, but they can buy their children the new winter coat, which they couldn't afford to buy. So all those little things. And then obviously this time, you know, as a kid, can you imagine like not getting a Christmas present this year? And then suddenly this is it. You, you get your own voucher and you can buy what you want as well. So those are the things. And that's what I mean. So even if, you know, with your salon owners and your contact, you know, don't think you have to do 100% of your fundraising, maybe just, you know, split it between us and something and one of the other charities. And I think that's, you know, that's a real takeaway as well. Mm, definitely. Because you're now president of the Hair and Beauty charity. So from Helen asking you to come along to a meeting <laughs> however many years ago to now being the president, how did that come about? Well, yeah, that was a journey, actually. I, I've, I've always been very involved with, you know, obviously with the committee. Um, and obviously being a PR, one of the things PRs do is we're very good networkers. So it's something that's been a charity, it's close to my heart. You know, my industry, you know, I work in this industry. My sister is a hairdresser. My brother is a barber. You know, I've been a, you know, a hair PR for 20 odd years. So this is, this is my life. This has given me, you know, my, you know, my business, my, my future, my happiness and so forth. So I think it really, it's very much about giving back. So I was always really, really happy to sort of spend that time with the committee, you know, talking fundraising, talking, um, you know, ideas and events and helping with the PR and promoting it and so forth. And it was just like a natural progression so I I've actually been president for four years so this is quite unusual normally it's a two-year um like time and then obviously you change but I was a joint president for the first two years um and then just because things the way things were changing with the charity um there wasn't anybody to sort of step into that role so I said look I don't mind doing another two years this was in like sort of November 2019 obviously COVID didn't exist no one knew this was coming mm -hmm. and I said it's fine I've been doing it you know pretty much for two years anyway another two years I can do that you know nothing's really going to change <laughs> and then of course the whole world changed its hat so not only was I then obviously running uh, my own business and having to manage, you know, um, you know, the team, the clients, the work from home, you know, obviously, you know, people pulling back, just debating, you know, how we're going to work financially as a company, but also the charity suddenly became pushed into the limelight with, you know, more and more people talking about us, more and more people needing help. So it was, you know, suddenly um, there I was thinking that I was just going to have this nice, easy-ish run <laughs> of, you know, continuing it through to actually having probably two years of the most full-on, um, I'd say, yes, stressful two years of my life, really. But I kind of feel it was good for me to be that person rather than because I, I know the charity so well I know the role of what the president needs to be doing 
Um, so I think actually, you know, it probably made sense in the end that it was somebody like myself who's been so involved with the charity and has actually almost probably been doing it anyway to just continue um, and keep the sort of the charity sort of focused and, you know, continuing. But, you know, we've got a great committee as well. And I think that's really important, you know, you know, people like, you know, Jane Lewis or who's actually going to be becoming the president um, after me. So she's I think this is James fifth term. Um, she's done it over the years. She's been involved with the charity for a long time and at various times has sort of stepped up and she is stepping up again. Um, and Helen Ward actually is vice president. So we're going to have some really strong females behind the charity again. Um, I'm still involved. I'm a trustee of the charity as well. So although I'll be stepping back from presidency at the end of the year, I'm still involved as a trustee and still very much involved with the charity as well. Because as I said, it's it, it means a lot to me. And I think, you know, I think also the fact that, you know, I have family who's in our industry. So I, again, not only from friends, you know, friends and in, in my clients and stuff like that, but actually hearing and seeing what, what happened to my brother and sister during that time as well. Mm. Um, you know, you really, you can't, you've got to give back. And I think that's really important. And I think, you know, paying it forward, I think is really key for us as, a, as an industry. Yeah, I agree too, paying it forward and just always giving back in, you know all entrepreneurs salon owners just you as a person I think it's very very important yeah yeah definitely so obviously you've been in the hair and beauty space for a long time <laughs> how did that come around did you just follow in your family's footsteps yeah pretty pretty much actually I knew I wanted to get into PR um and then interestingly it's my sister my sister's a hairdresser and she used to do a lot of session work and we used to a lot of do um editorial and she had she was working very closely with Goldwell at the time um and they were looking for a new PR person so she kind of introduced me to a PR agency and she was they were doing some PR for her as well in her salon at the time so this was oh yeah a good 20 odd years ago so it was a little bit of nepotism because obviously uh, my sister was a client so but at the same time I had to I did have a degree in, in media anyway and you know obviously you have to prove yourself so I started doing that was my initial time was you know um, hair hair PR then I moved into more consumer sort of working with some like big high street brands and then I set up Essence um, in 2004 so yes yeah, so it's been going for quite a long time and love I love 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 the industry so for me it was always going to be about beauty um, you know and, and some of my clients are people like Fudge and Osmo Salon System so the professional side you know I've got on that side and then I've just been involved with so many things you know as you say PRs we're networkers that's what we do so uh, you know and it's and I just love our industry so much I, I feel my throat's a bit tight tonight because obviously we did have a late night on Monday so um, so excuse me if I keep having a little drink of water because uh, <laughs> I got a lot of talking this week the events is great that all the events are back, aren't they? The awards and the yeah. show. It's just, well, well, hopefully getting back to slight normality again. Yeah, well, I, you know, I went over to Pro Beauty and Salon International the other week as well. So that was lovely to see all the stands there and see people I hadn't seen for a long time. So it just feels like a little bit of normality, you know, doing that sort of thing on that side. So I think even, even with what's happening right now with the news side of things, I think we've just got to keep positive and, you know, just, you know, keep keep doing what we need to do. Yeah, 100% for sure. So a lot of people, I'd say, get very, very stuck in their own bubble of life and don't really know what's going on behind the scenes of other people's lives. Like you said right in the beginning, like there's people right under our noses in our industry that are struggling that need to reach out to you guys. 
Is there any kind of stories you can share where you guys have helped people come out the other side? Yeah, I think I, I think a really an interesting one. We've got, you know, there's so many case studies, Katie, to be honest, as you can imagine, after all this time, you know. Um, but I think that, you know, and, and I think with the COVID, you know, I think on a positive side, although we had so many people asking us for help, it was a lot of it was short term, you know, it was literally for one year. Um, we can help people like, you know, with one off grants, we can help people with longer term. You know, we have some people who've been, you know, with us maybe like 20 years and we support them every every month. That might be like young children have grown up with and various things like that. But I think with what, what we did find was although we had a huge influx of requests for support, who we were able to help, what happened was when the salons reopened again earlier this year, a lot of those people did come back to us to say, thank you so much. That was exactly the lifeline I needed right then. But, you know, business is picking up. I'm strong and confident. I can do this sort of thing. But it was just lovely to know that you were there. So actually, they kind of came to us to say thank you, but we don't need your help. We don't need help anymore. And that is really positive that actually, you know, people do come back to us to say, actually, thank you so much. I don't need any more money from you. And actually what I'm going to do is next time I'm fundraising, I'll be thinking of you guys as well, which so which is quite really lovely to know. There's also things like, for example, case studies of, you know, there's a, a lovely woman that we're, um, you know, helping and she's, you know, again, like through um, uh, abuse, basically. So it's a lovely woman who'd been with her husband for 34 years and she, you know, eventually had to leave with her children um, and sort of rented accommodation. And, you know, from, from that, then obviously like mental issues that she then had like breakdowns, which meant that she couldn't work. Um, and then so and then obviously had no money for rent, no money to, for and so forth. So we actually sort of were able to sort of like step in during that time and make sure that, you know, something as simple as, you know, being able to you know feed her child, pay her rent is one less stress on her shoulder. So she's now able to then start to sort of relook at life again in a more positive way and get herself back on track without having to worry about some of the, you know, the bigger things that were really holding her back. Mm-hmm. Um, also there was a, a lovely story um, and it's and it's actually you know it's a, it's a, it's an unusual story but it's, again this is what we're saying about people don't necessarily know what's going to happen so this wasn't necessarily COVID related but it happened around the same time and obviously then with COVID it then just exasperated what was happening there was a young couple up, up in the northwest actually and I did an interview with them for a tv program during the COVID time as well they had their own salons they were very successful and um um, the mum's 29 years old and she suddenly had a major stroke and um, basically was then bedridden in hospital she had I think she was something like yeah three young children under the age of five so to a husband and wife very successful salon three young children she has a stroke then Covid hit as well so not only they had to the husband had to they had to close the salon because of Covid then they had to rehabilitate the wife as well the, the father couldn't work because obviously he then had three young children and his wife who basically needed to sort of learn how to walk and talk and like live again. And we heard about them in about, I think it was around about the February of 2020 when we heard about them and then we were able to sort of help them. Um, eventually around about September, October time of 2020, the father was then ready to start looking for um, work because obviously the, his wife was out of hospital. She started to walk again, started to talk a little bit. But then COVID kicked in again 
um, and he wasn't able to find a job. So basically, as a family, they've gone from having, you know, a great lifestyle to suddenly having nothing. And obviously, with the COVID, and then obviously, again, it happening again in November, then it happened again in 2021. So actually, as that family, we've had to, we've continued paying um, them and their children an allowance, so that they can actually keep like living for as long, you know, in a, in a way that they need to. So, um, and actually that's still happening at the moment because again, life hasn't quite, you know, worked out for them. And I think that's, you know, yes, that was to do with COVID a bit, but actually, you know, she's 29 years old. You cannot plan for having a stroke on that side. And just to know the charity was there is really, really, really good. And how powerful, I mean, that's given me shivers that, yeah. you know, to just, and it, it was always my fear pre-COVID, you can lose anything in a second, yeah. and you really can lose anything in a second, can't you? Yeah, exactly, sort of thing, so, you know, and there's another young girl that we've been helping, and, and this is, again, this is a bit of a tough one, is that, you know, she was pregnant during COVID, and then made homeless, and basically sofa surfing, so could you imagine, like, you know, it's hard enough that, you know, being pregnant it is, but then to have all of that, you know, she lost her job, she lost her home, Home. she was pregnant so um, as a charity what we we've been working very closely um, with the council and local estate agents so that when she could find a place because of course then she had no money to actually even put a deposit down so as a charity we actually um, were, were behind backing so that she had the money so that she could pay her deposit and her month's rent so that she could then have a place for her child as well so it's all those things that again you know it's it's kind of all these little stories, you just don't realise they're happening behind the scenes. Um, mm. And it's just knowing that there is somebody like us as a charity there to help them. Yeah, definitely. Wow, incredible. And I'm sure those people listening to that or watching this would be yeah. like, they want to help more or they want to be involved. Like, how can people help towards yeah. charity and how can people be more involved yeah well you know i think from helping is talking you know doing things like this katie so uh, again you know thank you again for the opportunity i think the key thing is you know yes as a charity we want money we always want money what charity doesn't do but actually for me it's also about like telling your colleagues that this charity exists so that we can help more and more people we do some like you know fundraising through the year obviously it's always been a bit it's been a bit hard in the last couple of years because obviously the activities aren't there but at the moment we have a raffle ticket going on which is we're selling raffle tickets for one pound you can win a thousand pound cash and some rather lovely vouchers from Selfridges Tiffany and so forth um, and then we draw that I think it's early January so I'm not sure when this is going to be going out but if, if it goes out before that then you know your readers can go your listeners can go onto the website and um, buy the charity raffle tickets there we also do things like uh, bike rides throughout the year golf days um, we've just done a wonderful initiative with um, a lot of um, colleges around the country. So um, you were talking about like bake sales and cake sales and things. So we just had a whole week where um, it was our first year doing, we had 13 colleges signed up from around the country who basically spent the week fundraising and talking about the charity, which was really great. And, and it wasn't so much about the money they were raising, it's just getting to that younger, new audience in our industry on hair and beauty to hear about what we're doing. Because obviously, if we can reach that age group um, and that level, then they can speak more about it as they, you know, as they get older and as they move to different um, salons or careers what they're doing helps spread the, the, the sort of what we do 
Um, so yes, yeah, so definitely on, on our website, we do lots of activities and, you know, even um, people like Alan Howard recently just did a walk. Um, they did the three canals walk, it was four days and they raised money for us for that side. So people just go off and do it themselves. And other times we as a charity will sort of um, organize activities. So it's always good, you know, to go on our website, which is the hairandbeautycharity.org or go onto our Instagram accounts. We've got a Facebook and an Instagram account. So often we're putting activities and various things on there, but yeah, yeah, at the moment it's all about the raffle tickets so that's what we were doing on monday night and we've got another event on monday afternoon with the fellowship for british hairdressing who again have very kindly allowed us to go and harass people on their tables <laughs> oh, that's so good so good where do you kind of see the charity in five like around five years time what growth is there going to be well i think you know i think we've really i think we've got to keep this momentum going because of what what's happened during covid is you know, I think prior to this, it was we, we used to rely on a lot of going to exhibitions, um, maybe manufacturers inviting us to talk to their staff, you know, and it was very sort of in real time, in real person and so forth sort of thing. So, you know, I might go and do or one of the committee members, we might go and do a talk to maybe 30 or 40 people or 20 people. We might be in an exhibition. Um, and it's quite small and targeted. But I think what happened during COVID was obviously we couldn't do that. So we had to, you know, adapt and do Instagram lives and do talks and, um, and things like that. Suddenly, you know, we can reach, you know, a thousand people, two thousand people um, in one phone call. Um, and I think that is definitely where the charity needs to go. We really need to sort of embrace this digital revolution where we're talking on podcasts, where we're talking on Instagram lives, because the more people that we talk to, the better. During COVID as well, I came up with a rather fun idea, which I kind of it, it took quite a lot out of me. But I decided that uh, we did it years ago. We did this cookbook, a charity cookbook. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to do like an ebook? So I thought, right, I'm going to put a you know the feelers out to a few friends in the industry um expecting around about 10 15 people to reply i had over 50 hair nail beauticians makeup artists all going sam i'm doing it, i'm doing it so we suddenly had this book that we had to promote as well so um if any of your listeners are, are cooks or want to be cooks we've got the most amazing experts who basically they went and they cooked they filmed it or they shot it and then they provided this great recipes so the book's definitely still available it's 10 pounds and you can buy it online it's an ebook and all the money goes to the charity um, everybody from Sam McKnight to Marion Newman to Lisa Potter Dixon to all these fabulous names Errol Douglas and so forth Richard Ward all gave their time to me um, I thought it was going to take me a few weeks it was about a three four month project in the end because as you can imagine collating that from that many people and then designing it and everything but that really helped us again like kickstart you know a kind of conversation so we did a lot of social media around that a lot of like you know Errol very kindly was involved because Errol and I were sort of chatting about this idea ages ago so we kind of helped um, sort of come into fruition so it's quite nice that I think as a charity we need to keep this momentum going we need people to know that we aren't a small this, this this the charity wasn't created because of covid you know there's been various different um you know initiatives and sort of various companies over the last few years have sort of come up in our industry but this charity has been going since 1836 we've been helping people 
all the way through and you know it's been wonderful that we've been able to help people during covid but we are still going to be helping people hopefully for the next 180 odd years so as a charity we need to keep that momentum building that people in the professional sector know who we are and you know basically become you know recognize we call ourselves the industry charity i don't think anybody else can really touch what we do <laughs> so you know i think you know we we, we need to be recognized on mass as being the industry of choice Definitely. charity of choice and i think like you said being more digital now you can reach so many more people and yeah. you guys that are listening there's thousands and thousands of you that listen to this podcast so if you can screenshot your phone that you're listening to this podcast share it on social media yeah. i'm sure sam and the team and me will be extremely grateful just to spread that word even more yes. and help as many people as we can within our industry definitely so sam thank you for giving up your time today i'm sure if people want to get in touch you can they can direct you to the website yep so yeah the website is www.hairandbeautycharity.org or you can then go and find us on instagram and facebook as well so um i think it's hb charity uk um, but if you go to the website then you can link into the social from that side as well Perfect. Thank you very, very much. Like I said, everyone, if you could share away, say that you've listened to the podcast, get other people to listen to it so they can hear more about the Heron Beauty Charity too. That would be amazing. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. It was a really great opportunity. Are you looking to start a new career in permanent makeup or improve your skill set? Training at the Laura Kay London Academy will give you the skills and confidence you need to set up your own business. All courses are recognised and accredited, including advanced courses in nanoblading, microblading and micropigmentation. Training one-to-one -one or very small groups, Laura and her elite team will guide you and help develop your career, with the support continuing long after your course ends. Using the best tools and learning the latest techniques from a world-class permanent makeup artist. Call one of our expert team today to find out more.